Welcome back to The Unpolished with your hosts, Angela and Kendall. Let's get into it, shall we? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. We've got a little treat for you today. Uh, My friend Joanna is on here. Say hello. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's me, Kendall, Angela, and Joanna. And we are here just talking about motherhood. Uh, Joanna and I have been friends for 10 years, right? 10? Yeah, about that. Yep. Um, yeah. So Joanna and I met because I was working for a creative conference called Circles. And the owner of that conference was like, hey, we need to go, you know, support this girl who just started her own conference. And it's called Yellow. And so we went as a team to go see this conference and check it out and support her or whatever. And I essentially just ditched my entire circles team and became best friends with Joanna. Mm-hmm. We're in a group of girls who met at that conference and we have done the last 10 years together. We've traveled around, we've like done multiple business things. It's been so much fun. And Joanna is someone who I just like love so much and respect how she approaches all kinds of things and especially motherhood and I just, I'm so excited that you were going to come on tonight and that we could just like chat. So thanks for having me. I feel so honored to be here. I definitely like feel like I'm really not cool enough to be on this podcast, but okay. I'm really excited. <laughs> trust tw- trust there's no talk. qualifications. There's absolutely be. nothing that qualifies being on here. But I'm you like, all are really cool. Like you really are. Both of you are so cool. And I'm just really excited to be here and talk to you. So thanks for letting me come on and chat. Of course. Thank you Uh, you for being here. I want to quickly say last time I saw you, Joanna was at Kendall's baby shower and I was just a whisper pregnant with my little, my, my little Shep and we both have little Sheps. And so at the time I wasn't saying anything because it wasn't, you know, it was just barely new, but it's so fun and full circle to talk to you now and be like, he's here six months later. So no, and I owe you a huge apology because on Instagram, you posted <laughs> the most adorable little photo of cute, chubby little Shep. And I literally was laying in bed and thinking about, oh, I get to record this podcast tomorrow. And I was thinking, oh yeah, like she has her, her son's name is Shep too. That's so fun. We should talk about that. And then I was like, wait, and it like dawned on me that Shep was the one you just had. And then I put, I messaged you on Instagram. Oh, look at her. And literally her H E R in all caps. Like she's so cute. And then I realized as I was laying in bed, that was Shep. And I felt immediately so bad. And no, please. I, (laughs) I told Ken, I pushed the limit on like, what is just one step below a dress since like I'm living in the boy mom (laughs) camp, but I like want to, I want to stretch that like feminine. I want to like flex that feminine feel. So I will put him in full like salmon, like pink polos. Like I'm painting my living room pink. So it's like, and also he's a baby. Like it's fine. I know. And um, I feel like cute babies just, I automatically am like, oh girl, like when they're really cute and like they have those cute little chubby cheeks. And he's that's... very cherub. Yeah. He's so cute. So I also I don't know what that says Shep. about my baby because I was telling Angela, I was like, there's almost a hundred 
100% chance that people will think June is a boy if I do not have a bow on her, even if she's wearing pink. I'm like, <laughs> I think um, babies. Yeah, I don't know. I was not but no, it's like enemies. never like her. It is a boy unless I have a bow <laughs> on her. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, June. This is just the the life you live oh, well yes I'm we sorry. both have oh no no sweat at all but it is so fun that we both have shepherds and I know I love it me too and then your oldest is ember right I'm just gonna give the people the no rundown. youngest so oh, shepherd youngest. is my okay. older one yeah and it's so funny because I remember we were driving in the car I think to brunch at Kendall's uh, baby shower and I remember you saying shepherd because you were asking me the names of my kid and you're like shepherd shep that is a really cute name. And I remember you were like, if I have a boy, I would love to name him that. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, no, that is it. so real. Um, we also were talking before we got on mic, we were like going down a deep dive of like how closely we follow Taylor Swift's every move on TikTok or otherwise. Like I listened to a podcast that is truly dedicated to just like, let's dissect Taylor's songs and life and everything. So Swifties yeah. unite. I was saying Joanna and I were Swifty fans when it was uncool to be Swifties. Like we're the real ones, not the like jumping on the bandwagon, the Kelsey fans. Like we would go on road trips and all of our friends would be mad at us because we were in the front seat, like yelling the songs at the top of mm -hmm. our lungs. And literally Joanna had a car that still had a CD player. So we would like switch CDs of Taylor Swift in her car. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. I, I have great memories driving in the black Corolla stick shift through San Francisco. Uh, yeah. There's lots of, lots of memories there. Yes. And Taylor is definitely a part of that. Part of anyway, so I can see it. So I, I can see it in my mind's eye. The, sh so the switching of the CDs and like the, like someone rubbing the CD on their leggings to make sure there's no smudges on it. And like, yes. doing a and putting it in there at that, that sounds like a, just a beautiful time and <laughs> like a time capsule moment. I know it's a lost time. It was, yeah. and it was, this was when like CD players were already antiquated. This was not like, right. you know, this was Joanna's list of music, which is identical to mine. It was amazing because no one else got to pick anything because it didn't exist on the CDs. We were yeah. like, no, it's our playlist and there's nothing else available unless you guys want commercials on the radio. Gosh. The Did you bring your CDs? Then sorry. Then no. Um, the storage of CDs, you guys, was so challenging. Like I had one of those that had the visor, but if I flipped my visor too, <laughs> like too strongly, my CDs would go flying. Or and like if you like, hit the brakes too hard. Yeah, they just fly, <laughs> shuffle out of there, especially if you have one that's like too thick and I'm just like asking for a scratch and then they get shuck loose by trying to pick one. Yeah, I wasn't responsible. Or when you would put like three in one slot and just yeah. like pray that it pray still works. Best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a time. Uh, okay. So we, if you guys have listened to, we did a motherhood expose. That was the, the title of the podcast that we did with Leah. And that is our most listened to episode so far since we've switched over to the unpolished and people were just like, we want more people submitted questions. People wanted to know. And yeah, I think a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are mothers or just interested in hearing about the subject. And so I was really excited to continue this conversation and answer a few more of the questions that you guys submitted. And 
the first one that I would like to cover is talking about, so Joanna and I and Angela, you know, but we all grew up in a Christian atmosphere. Um, and Joanna, you can, you know, kind of speak to that, but grew up Christian and then, you know, just trying to kind of figure out what you believe in. And so I just want to ask you how you kind of handle that with kids and like, you know, what do you raise them to believe and how do you give kids autonomy to believe what they want to believe while still guiding them? And I just wanted to hear what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, this is such, whoever sent in this question, great, great question, because yeah, I think it's, I think it's a delicate dance, especially if you like whether or not your partner is on the same page as you, I think it can bring up some interesting things, but I think for me, um, I love being able to, and I think it's really important to offer my kids a sense of spirituality and a connection to God. That to me is something that throughout all of my spiritual journey, that connection to the divine, to the universe, to God, whatever you want to call it, this like greater force is something that still continues to sustain me and did did sustain me throughout my uh, more like evangelical upbringing. And so I really think that it's important for them to have that uh, connection to the, to the divine and how that comes about is kind of tricky. I, I feel like I try to, I really want to instill in them a sense of wonder. And I feel like the sense of wonder comes so naturally to them already as kids, but it's like pushing it. My son right now, Shep, is really into constellations and he loves like looking up at the stars. And I told him about Orion's belt because that was like the like the main one that I knew. And it's like very prevalent in our skies right now. And I was just talking to him about it and it like exploded this whole thing for him where now he is totally obsessed with constellations. He just made me order like this constellation book to learn more about them. He knows there's like 88 constellations. And these are the types of things that I really want to encourage in him just to have mm -hmm. this like sense of wonder and awe for the world to allow them to have the ability and the freedom to explore that without I think in a setting that I was raised in that might feel there was just so many things that were off limits like oh that's a little too you know new age or that might be a little too this way and I think it's like where my mind goes I'd love to hear about how you all think of it too but it's how do you keep the good stuff and get away from that the toxic stuff that's about like who's included and who's not included and mm -hmm. changing people's minds. And it's, it's more of like this internal journey of awe and wonder and giving them enough structure to be able to one day break out of that and find their own way, but not so much that it causes this like weird, you know, uh, way of looking at the world. Mm -hmm. And And I have a quick question for you as you kind of, moved away from the structure of evangelicalism was that difficult for your parents with them raising you you know kind of how they believed was 
you know, the best way. And then you kind of moving away from that, not in denial of it, but just kind of, Hey, I'm, I'm finding my own path here and the things that I'm drawn to, was that hard for them? Or is that something that they've like accepted or? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think for my dad, my mom and dad are very different people and see the world very, very differently. And I think for my dad, he is much more interested and curious about what I'm learning Cause I kind of went through a phase and this is like a whole other conversation, but I went through, you know, I grew up very evangelical and then, uh, went through like this, you know, deconstruction phase and wasn't sure what I believed. And then I feel like in more recent times, I've kind of come back to a place of almost just this mystical Christianity where I still find mm-hmm. a lot of truth and value in the tradition of Christianity, like pre American, like just the American church has done. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) But there's so much goodness to be found before that. And I've recently been able to kind of discover that and discover other like Christian mystics who uh, teach the tradition of Christianity in just a more open and more inclusive way. And so I think my parents are like Richard Rohr, for example, like I know Kendall, you know who Richard Rohr is, but I've yes. given my dad Richard Rohr books and he like loves it. And he's like, oh, this is awesome. I, and my dad is working at a church right now. He's a musician. He was a music pastor um, my life growing up. And now he uh, plays like worship music part-time at this, uh, pre- no, it's not a press, it's a Lutheran church. And it's very inclusive. There's a trans woman on the board of directors there. And it's like filled with just all sorts of people. It's like very diverse, Mm -hmm. very inclusive. And it was really interesting to watch my parents start going to this church that theologically was just so much more liberal than anything that they had been to before. And so my dad is very open and like curious to learn more. Whereas my mom is, it's a more, much more slower process and she definitely gets more fearful, but both of them are open to conversations. I would say both of my parents have done a great job of giving all my siblings and I space to kind of figure out what we believe while also, you know, letting us know where they stand and what they believe. You know, it's interesting you saying with the partner thing, because I do think that, you know, as my kids get older and I'd love to hear kind of like, you know, what you think about this too, Angela, because, you know, Clint and I can have different views on, you know, various things within like spirituality and religion and different things like that and kind of holding space for the respect of how the other person believes, like on both sides of, Hey, I hold, I know that you hold this as sacred and I want to respect that. But it's kind of funny because I feel like on a fundamental level, Clint and I are very, very similar until it's like you have kids and you're like, well, what are we going to teach them? And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're like, oh, now we're in the nitty gritty. Like now we're kind of getting in arguments of like, do we teach them that it's this? Do we teach them that it's this? Like you do have to have some way of guiding. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was just interested to see what that was for you. And I love the idea of like the awe and the wonder. And, and what do you think that is for you, Angela? 
Yeah. Thanks, Joanna, for saying the curiosity word, because I really in that moment realized like, oh, that's exactly what I aim to do also. So quick rundown of my shenanigans. I was raised Catholic and my dad was going to be a Catholic priest before he fell in love with my mom and had four children with her. And, you know, they were married for decades and we went to Catholic school. And so that was very much how I was raised. However, where I think that my parents did something different than a a lot of people that were raised Catholic have was once I was 15, my parents were like, we have raised you in the way that we felt honored, you know, where we were coming from, but you are a full grown, you know, a person in the in the way of re- religion right now so if you don't want to go to church anymore that's fine if you want to go to a new church that's fine if you want to talk to us about if you want to go to church when you want to go to church if you want to try a new church if you want us to try a new church with you like they opened up all of that when I turned 15 so I thought that was mm-hmm. an interesting choice um and I definitely think my mom did a great job of like allowing that curiosity to still come forward and not hold anything too um rigid surrounding Catholicism so like astrology was still a topic we talked about often so I would say it was like kind of a looser um there was still anything that I wanted to bring to the table felt welcomed and open my parents were open-minded to talk to me about it so I'm I'm thankful that they gifted me that and some stuff that I want to continue and then some stuff I want to change for my kids personally and as we speak my oldest kid is four and a half so let it be known I haven't actually had to put a lot of things in super practice yet of like yeah totally discussions you know but as as it stands right now I loved that my dad instilled a gratitude practice when I was young so every Sunday we would have our grateful journals and we would like talk about things that were you know that came up that week that we're grateful for and I just think it changed the course of how I look at my life um, I tend to be glass half full and I wonder if I would have been as much without that. So I really dedicate like a lot of on honestly honor and respect that my parents uh, really made that a part of my life so early on. Cause it, I can't remember a time where I didn't have that and I continue it now at age, you know, 32. And then as far as just open-mindedness goes, that's kind of what I want to make really available to my kids is like Heather McDonald has that quote that's like God made me and he thinks I'm a hoot and so I (laughs) I say it all the time (laughs) Ken knows and I'm like God knows what I'm up to he thinks I'm a hoot and so it just kind of gives me the grace of exploring things and knowing that I'm not harming anyone by having that curiosity and um, I also want to honor like privacy that my kids have um, because I realized that the relationship I had with with God or higher spirit universe, it it was more in private than it was for show. And I think that was a good thing. And I want I want that to be recognized that it this is not for someone else. This is for you. Mm-hmm. This isn't even for me. This is not for me as your parent. Like I want to ha- help them find their autonomy in it because that is something that I, I would have changed with how I grew up as far as like, I was just given one option in my school and in mass of what things looked like. And I hope that I can allow for more things to come to the table. Mm-hmm. That was kind of long-winded, but that's-, that's No, I absolutely yeah. love that because I I really loved like my upbringing in, you know, Christianity and whatever. 
um, until there was a bit of a deconstruction of like, wait, because I do think, and I'm just, you know, from my personal experience, I'm not trying to blanket this for anyone who grew up in that environment, but in the environment I grew up in, it was, I feel like pretty performative. Like mm -hmm. it was, you know, you wear the purity ring, you, you know, you have this outward appearance of like being a good girl. And of course I wanted to be a good girl, but it was the deconstruction happened to me. And then this coming back to spirituality and God and whatever the deconstruction happened because I was like, there, there is nothing here that is truly between me and God in a spiritual path. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it's an organization. It is mm -hmm. a culture. And so then I had to almost break everything down to be able to build it again, to be like, how do I connect to a higher power as me Kindle privately? You know, I've thought about that a lot with, you know, raising kids and, you know, we're, again, we're not, my oldest is three and a half. My youngest is not even one yet. Like we're not really at that point, but it's just been in my mind a lot of like, we are going to get to the point where, you know, questions come up and things and how do I, how do I answer that? How do I guide that? And so I really appreciate everyone's like take on that. And one thing that I grew up with that was a really beautiful part of being a part of the church, the evangelical church I was a part of is like this real sense of belonging and community that I always felt, this was my experience. I always felt a real sense of belonging and community growing up. Yes, and same. I, I worry that not like raising my kids in a church, how are they going to find that sense of belonging and community to something mm -hmm. that is bigger than themselves? Um, and so there are things that I'm like, you know, what does it look like even to raise, you know, a child outside of this organization that did provide a lot of good structure there? There was like other, you know, cooler mentors at the youth group. And so those are some of the things that I wonder about. And I've wondered, like, could we create a community that's like interfaith that meets on like a regular basis that is less structured? I don't know. I've in my head, I kind of, I try to envision like, what could we create for our kids that feels in a, a similar, feels similar in the sense of emotionally belonging and having exposure to people who are way older than you and way younger than you. And there's so much good that can be there. It's just, there's a lot of, you know, toxic stuff alongside, alongside it. But um, I will say, I, I don't think that, that there's a time that Joanna and I, have not been in person where we're like, so when are we making the compound? I know. <laughs> like, oh, I know. It I was like now a running joke of like, so the compound. <laughs> I, and on the subject of motherhood, it's, I just feel like we were not meant to do this alone. Mothering, mothering alone is the most exhausting thing. And I think that's partly why this idea of a compound of just like people living together, even like these cults, you know, I watch these like documentaries on Netflix about these cults and I'm like, you know, there's that like, some of that, <laughs> that, that sounds work. pretty awesome, actually. Oh, yeah. No, Ken and I joke a little too much that like some some of my friends will watch. I love 
cult documentaries. Trust, me I do. Too. Um, so I I see them all. I love them. Um, but some of my friends will text me because they know I'm like into it too, and they're like, "Man, you know, I was probably one step away from like joining cult, and I was like, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I'm like one step away from leading one. We have this way of like having a deep desire to gather like-minded people or like mm -hmm. people that want a place, a warm place to land. So even you saying like an interfaith place for kids, I'm like, hmm, there's something there because that really piqued my interest. But you guys, while we were talking before, I want to, I want to bring out one more thing about the spirituality yeah. thing. So I had to remind myself of this today. Me and my brother were talking um, and we had some family stuff come up and it's going to be, it's a very visual cue, but I'm just going to do the best I can. So it has a bubble of like what's in your control and then what's out of your control. And I just mm. want you to like listen to the things that are out of your control. And I want to- I'm already triggered. Well, no, no, just, just, just- No, I, I'm joking. I'm like- Yeah, <laughs> but hold on. Cause while I was listening, while I was looking at these, I was like, oh, this is what I realized is like some of my turnoffs with organized religion, not as a whole, but just some of my experiences because it's almost fo focusing exclusively on these things. So these are out of my control, okay? The actions of others, the opinions of others, what happens around me, how others take care of themselves, what other people think of me, the outcome of my efforts. And then in my control are my thoughts and my actions, what I give my energy to, the goals that I set, how I speak to myself, how I spend my free time, my boundaries, and how I handle challenges. So that outer stuff of what's out of our control, I think that was my pain point in some of my organized religious experiences. It was very much like recruiting more people to see things the way that I see things. And I don't have that interest. Like I want, I want to live in a way that feels true to me and others live in a way that feels true to them. And so I feel like it was consistently hitting upon that, like, make sure we get this neighbor to come to our church and make sure we, there was a heavy, heavy piece of like looking outside of self and yes. getting them to see this one way of looking at things that from when I was so young, you guys, I have journals where I'm like, I had such a huge problem with that. Like I could not reckon those two things of like, if this is supposed to be my truth in life and like, then there's this whole other way of looking at it that's like if they don't believe these things and they're going in this bad place and like this very much lack of inclusion like you were saying before mm -hmm. and so while I was looking at that I was like wow okay this kind of illuminated some of the stuff that I'm hoping not to bring with me and my spiritual practices for my kids does that mm -hmm. ring true yeah. to you guys at all yeah, or like yeah. I love yeah. that and I love that you had the wisdom as a young person to know that because I look back at my journals and I was like, Lord, <laughs> please save Haley from hell because yeah. she's a sinner. <laughs> like I was bought in. And so I just like for you to have that wisdom and already that like truth within you that was that loud for you as a young person. I, I think that's. Yeah, it's just your intuition. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I my have... parents, my parents gifted me the ability to say what I, what I thought. So it was like, also there was a safe place for me to speak up, if mm. that makes sense. And I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not dogging. Like there's plenty of things I would do differently. There's plenty of things that I hope to like bring with me. It's just kind of the stopping and thinking like, okay, what have I learned in my path and, and what worked for me and what didn't, and, and then taking into account 
the personalities of your children. And I think just trying to be attuned to helping them thrive as much as you possibly can, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Have you all heard of the book, The Parents uh, Tao Te Ching? Mm -mm. (laughs) No, it's just like not what I expected to come out of your mouth. It's the only thing. (laughs) From my understanding, I'm sorry if I'm butchering this, but from my understanding, it's almost like a Chinese version of the holy text. Mm -hmm. And this person, William Martin, took text like this ancient text from the Tao and translated it into this like modern verbiage for for parenting I highly recommend for any okay we'll put it in the show notes Mm -hmm. yeah it's super easy to read and they're just really good and they're all centered around parenting which I don't think parenting gets the credit it deserves for for the spiritual practice that it is because Mm -hmm. I don't think traditionally well I know traditionally men have been the ones writing the things that we've been reading and I I I get excited thinking about women having more of a voice because I feel like the the spirituality of parenting and motherhood is going to become more of a conversation and I get excited mm-hmm. when you think about you know monks and nuns and what they have done and they remove themselves from the world and they go to you know uh stretch themselves in a lot of ways like I did this school um called the living school and we learned a lot about um like the very first monks like the desert mother mothers and fathers and so much of what they would do was isolate themselves and put themselves in really tough situations so they would have to rely on God and I'm like that's what hello it is me like you totally get like isolated from the world and it's like the hardest thing ever but I wanted to read could I read to you oh this, my gosh um, yes little piece um because mm-hmm. I feel like it just speaks to what we're talking about but it's called words of life and it says you can speak to your children of life but your words are not life itself you can show them what you see but your showing and their seeing are forever different things you cannot speak to them of divinity itself but you can share with them the millions of manifestations of this reality arrayed before them every moment. Since these manifestations have their origin in the Tao slash God divine, the visible will reveal the invisible to them. Don't mistake your desire to talk for their readiness to listen. Far more important are the wordless truths they learn from you. If you take delight in the ordinary wonders of life, they will feel the depth of your pleasure and learn to experience joy. If you walk with them in the darkness of life's mysteries, you will open the gate to understanding. Like, I'm always in awe when I read something like that. And I'm like, oh, that sums up truly fundamentally things that I mm-hmm. things that I believe, you know, and puts it so, right? so eloquently. Wow. Yeah. This book is like my now go-to for anyone having a baby since I discovered it. I was like, this is like essential. I'm getting it because it's just filled with little like amazing wise phrases like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it's so funny, like with, uh, even baby showers and stuff now, now having two kids, I'm like, I give gifts to the mothers, not to the baby. I'm like, yes. we'll give books. We'll give like just the things that like I needed as a mom or even on the first birthdays now when, you know, they've just gone through the baby phase, like I'll give a gift to the baby, but I always try to give a gift to the mom, like something that will help her. Cause it's like, congratulations. Like, wow, wow, wow. Um, you've gone mm-hmm. through it. And so 
yeah, I just love that you've like given this as a book to other people of like, Hey, I, I want this as like water to your soul. Mm-hmm. That's why I love the idea of the, of a mother's blessing. Like what you mm-hmm. had Kendall and like, I had a virtual one, but it's just all about the mother and, and Angela, I feel like I saw that you had one too. Like I on, did. On yes. I'm yeah. I'm so honored to have one as well. I, I think that that's exactly what you're talking about of this spirituality and motherhood overlapping and how mm. integrated they are because so many things that were shared at the blessings did at the blessing did come true in my birth. And then also just like recentered me that I have people around me that mm-hmm. are, are there for me. And Ken and I talked about this too, before we had children, we had no idea like what it really was to have your own kids. And especially after the second, we just felt humbled and mm really respected those that came before us that have two kids and we just were like wow so many women we love that are in our life were in the trenches and you know whether we had that experience we couldn't access the experience in the time before we had that so it's like I'm so happy to know now so that we can tend Mm -hmm. to those that are coming up creek And it has been the gift of my life to know like, oh, this is when I felt so isolated and like really tender and I can, I can help other women in that time if they so want. Most, most people will say, oh, you know, bring mom a meal and stuff, all of that. Amazing. Like, of course, but Hmm. also Ken and I are like the three to four month, like once the baby's three to four months old and no one's coming around, there's no meals. You haven't slept in four and months. All, and like, all of your hormones that are keeping you upright have left. Yes. Like yeah. you're all the manic is gone. All the adrenaline from birth is gone, whether things went to plan or didn't. And I want to get into that next actually, but there's, there's different times or you just get comfortable. Then your kids gets mobile. And so you're chasing them around the house and there's like drain that comes to that. And, there's also so many beautiful things. We know that, but it's just, it's interesting what we find now of like the things that are challenging that aren't just in the first like three weeks. Mm-hmm. And you have to know something to see it, mm-hmm. right? And so before you've experienced something, you can't even energetically pick it up on someone else. And so I think the beauty of almost reaching the end of what you thought you can handle and making it to the other side is being able to recognize, you know, both the joy and the pain of someone else going through the same thing. It's like, you can pick up what's going on between the lines, um, without even a word being spoken. And I think that's the really beautiful thing with the sisterhood inside of motherhood. Um, and not that you have to be a mother to be in a sisterhood. I'm just saying there's a specific thing of like, I know, like, mm. you just want to put your hand on someone. And you're like, you don't even have to say anything. Like, I know, I know the joy. And I also know the spiritual practice of like showing up to this every day. Joanne, I would love to get into when birthing your children. Like, I want to get into uh, sort of what you were feeling before you had your first, what you were feeling before you had your second, how did things pan out? Like what surprised you in a good way? What surprised you in a hard way? Just like, let me, let me in if you, if you feel like it. Yeah. Um, well, first and second were completely different as I'm sure you all can relate. Um, but to second, what you all were just saying, I think there was one, uh, 
person who asked me, uh, one of my friends just had a baby and she was like, what would you, before she had the baby, like, what would you tell your pre-kid self? And I was like, I honestly, I just don't, there's nothing that can prepare mm-hmm. you. There's yeah. nothing. And Kendall, when you said, I know, I just like got goosebumps because it's just that knowing. But with both my first and second, Shepard and Ember, so my son Shepard is four and Ember is two. And with Shep, you know, I went, well, both of my births went completely different than I had ever wanted or expected them to. One of the major losses and griefs that I still experience when I think about my motherhood journey is the birth story that I so craved and I so desired was not something that I got both Mm -hmm. times. And with Shepard, I had a midwife. I loved her so much. I actually went three weeks over my due date with Shep because... I was so set on having my birth center birth. I had my playlist. I had my oils. I was like ready to have this like spiritual experience that I like thought I was going to have by giving water birth and just being there and like feeling the pain, but pushing through it and then holding my baby. And as much as I told myself that I was holding that plan loosely. I don't think I realized how I was not holding that loosely at all until after it didn't happen. Um, But they don't let you go past two weeks overdue in the United Mm -hmm. States. Like, Like I had to get go technically under care of this OB who is actually really like, um, well-known in the LA area because he does a lot of home births. He's like one of the only OBs who is like pro home birth. He uh, was technically my doctor, but what he was going to do was just come to the birth center and like oversee the birth while I was like still having my home birth experience. And then it got to the point where it was just getting too dangerous and the non-stress test. So Like when you go over your due date, you have to go in and like take these tests and make sure your baby's still healthy. And as long as the baby's still healthy, you can keep going with your pregnancy. Um, But obviously if the baby's not, you need to have the baby need to get induced. So finally, uh, my midwife and the doctor called me and was like, we think that you need to go in and get induced tomorrow. And I just bawled my eyes out. I was so sad. I grieved when we went into the hospital, they were like all looking at us. Like we were just these crazy wild people who they, I remember I heard two nurses outside being like, Oh, those are the birth center people. Like I just wanted this like experience and I really didn't want to be here and get induced with like you people. Um, But other than that, like they, Oh, and what they told me my baby was four pounds, which Shepard was eight pounds when he was born. But like, I'll never forget. I was like getting the ultrasound when they were, when I had first come in and they were like analyzing me and I heard them talking about us as the birth center people. And they were like, your baby is four pounds. And I was like, what? And I, they all thought that like my baby was shriveling up and like dying in the womb because I had gone so overdue. Turns out, obviously, he was not. Yeah, long story short, I ended up having an emergency C-section with him. 
C-section went fine. He came out. I was happy as a clam holding him in my arms and none of it mattered after that. And then the second time around, um, we moved and had different insurance stuff. And I think with both my pregnancies, I wonder if either of you have experienced this, but with both my pregnancies, I feel like my post or prenatal depression was a lot stronger and more prevalent for me than postpartum depression. And like, I didn't even know. Yeah. I didn't even know it was a thing until I, I looked it up and I was like, Oh, this, this like is a thing. And I was so, especially when I was pregnant with Ember, we had just moved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My second, we had just Mm -hmm. moved. Nolan, my husband was like really stressed about a lot of things. We were just in like a hard place in our marriage and we were in this new city that I didn't know people and it was COVID. Everything was locked down. And I had a really, I just get really nauseous and I, both my- You were were deathly sick. You saying, oh, I was a little nauseous. You were literally on medication and like you were miserable with Ember. Yeah, it was really not fun at all. And I remember, yeah, telling myself, I'm never doing this again. And now I'm like, oh, a third would be so nice. (laughs) But I think back to that time and yeah, it was so, so hard. Um, And- I didn't actually even go and see an OB till I was like almost 20 weeks. And cause I was like depressed and felt like I couldn't, like, I just felt totally numb and like, I couldn't even get mm-hmm. myself to like call this new doctor and like find the right doctor and insurance stuff was new. And, um, so anyways, I had a really uh, awful OB and looking back, I didn't even have the emotional capacity at the time to like switch doctors. Cause I look back and I'm like, why didn't I switch? He was such an asshole. He, the things he said, it was all about the weight that I gained. And it was all about like my decisions that, you know, I made previously that he didn't appreciate. And he was just not a great doctor at all. And never remembered me. I'm like, I've been here for like coming here for six months and he still had to like look at my chart to remember my name. And so that was hard. And then my birth with Ember, I, I had a C-section and it was really, really an awful experience, like very, very traumatic. And I still like grieve this birth that I so desired and wanted. And I don't know if I've really fully like even processed it Really, I think it's just one of those things where right now where I stand is like, that was hard. And my natural mm-hmm. inclination is to be like, but this and this and this. Obviously, but I did get a beautiful, healthy little girl. And she, her name is Ember and she is an Ember. She is a fire and a light. And she was a light in that dark place. It was COVID. No one could come visit us in the hospital. And I had just gone through this really traumatic experience. And she was the only light in that room. And I, yeah, I mean, that is obviously a great, a beautiful thing. And I'm so grateful for that, but there's no like redeeming factor. Yeah. And both can be true, you know? Yes. Thank you for walking us through that with such vulnerability and honesty and like telling the truth without, I think it's just like you said at the end, there's so much pressure to be like, but my kids are happy and healthy and that's all that matters. Of course we know that. But if we don't honor the fact that things were really sacred to us that went completely awry and there's so much grief there that is not linear that comes out randomly some days, 
I am so happy, you know, that my kids are chilling and we are, I'm moving farther and farther from my experiences as, you know, as my kids age, obviously there's still so much there. And I sometimes look back at that day and I have a morning because you can't do it over. So that's the part that can be hard to move past. It's like, that was the day. That's the day that I had my child. Like that is it. And, and so when things that we, and I love that you touched on that you didn't even know how tightly you were holding on to something until you got to the game point at the end. And it's like, wait, this is totally, I was actually really wanting things to go this way. It could just be so devastating. And the mm -hmm. expectations that we have, um, or just like, even if we say we're going to be open-minded and then the things are, t are go completely a different way. The word that kept coming to mind for my experiences, because I also had two C-sections, one emergent, one planned. Um, mm. And the second one was planned and there was things that made that one difficult too. But with uh, with Wyatt, it was, it was emergency quick. I didn't have time to react. And in times I'm thankful for that because there was like no time for me to even have a plan. Uh, but in other times I'm like, it was so chaotic and it's supposed to be the moment that you like lay eyes on your child. Right. So I, I feel for, I feel you when you talk about that. Cause I, I definitely have pieces of that. And I'm sure a lot of other women listening can, can relate to that. Can yeah. And I feel that. like no matter how well your birth went, it's all, it's always traumatic in some way. Mm -hmm. It's just gnarly. Gnarly. It's gnarly. Interesting how no matter how it goes, there's something in you that you're like, I don't even really have time to process this. Mm -hmm. And I think specifically with having your second is it's not just you and the baby anymore. Like with the first, you're like, okay, you know, you're busy, busy, busy. Your life is turned upside down, but it's still like you have those quiet moments of I'm laying with my baby. And then when you have your second, no matter how your birth goes, there's literally not time to think about it. Cause you're like, mm -hmm. I have a brand new baby I have to take care of while I have a toddler or whatever age kid who also needs your attention and, and trying to learn how to balance multiple energies, you know, whether you have another one or more. And so I think that there's kind of this weird thing of like, there's not really a container for you to feel anything at all. You're like, I have just got to go forward Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many beautiful parts of that, right? Of being so immersed in a situation where every day is just like, what is in front of you? You know, that is like meditation. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you'll randomly be like, huh, I haven't processed that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't know like if that, that resonates for y'all, but. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, you're completely, there's no time to, pro you're just thrown into this completely new experience, taking care of this small child and breastfeeding and trying to recover and your body is a mess. And yeah, there's so much that happens after that, that it, it, you don't, it's not like you can go now on this like silent retreat and like, I know, let me joke. like integrate this experience <laughs> of that I just went through. It's just, yeah, chaos, uh, complete chaos. For And we are saying this as three women who are like, so should we have thirds? We love them so much. Like, so this is not saying like, oh my gosh, if you're listening to this and you have no kids and you're like, never mind. Um, it's like still absolutely worth it. 
It's just, I do think that this is the part of motherhood that a lot of people don't talk about because I don't think that any of us are coming from like this victim's mentality of like, this happened to me. Like, I really know both of you as being so joyful to have your kids. And there are certain parts of it that are so difficult that I don't think I hear a lot of just people being like, I love having kids and this is the hard part versus like just the positive or just the negative, you know? Mm-hmm. The marriage boot camp of it all kicks my butt each time. Um, even, you know, I, I'm not going to go in. There's a whole episode uh, about me and Kendall's birth stories of all of our four children. So that's all able to be accessed. But quickly, I had Wyatt two months early, very unplanned, six week NICU stay. And so me and me and Nick did not. I mean, I was 31 weeks pregnant. I had not packed a bag. Uh, there was nothing like we just were thrown into parenthood for the first time together with a child that did not come home with us, you know, from the hospital. And so the first six week, six weeks of Wyatt's life, we were openly grieving, but also we only had, like, we were very, very strong with each other. Cause I mean, you're going through something so traumatic with the person that, you know, you birthed a baby with. So it's like, we, I never felt closer to him but it was so hard because like mm-hmm. a lot of grief cycles, um, when you lose, it felt similar to losing a person you love where uh, one person's okay that day, but the other one's down bad. And so then that one's like, okay, I'll carry us, you know? And then we would, then the other one would be not able to like face life. And so we would kind of switch off who had the bandwidth. And then there was days we both didn't and we were just, you know, laying there. Um, but with the second child, since- Shep did not have a NICU stay and he was just a tad early, but not super early like Wyatt. We had a more, I'm going to say textbook in quotations because, you know, it's all varied, but we had a more traditional experience that a lot of people have. And so it was our first time to not have such a heavy, heavy grief component. And I was like, oh, now I'm like, uh, are you public enemy number one? Like, I'm like, without the grief there, I was like irritated with him and just like, and he was being sugar sweet to, to me, you guys. Like, he was being an angel, like doing the dishes. He was not being like sitting on the couch, like, this is your time to deal with the children. Like, he's an evol- evolved parent, but I was just like, I feel so overwhelmed and your body isn't different and mine is and my titties are leaking and yours aren't. Like, I had rage come up in me and I just wanted to call it out because I'm like, we, we got over it. It was honestly just the first, like, two to three weeks where I was just like I'm so happy but yet I feel like I'm the only one experiencing this um and it got better but I wish I wish people would talk about that more like the changes in your relationship and the ups and downs that happens and you're like so in love with this person and then you're also just like don't breathe on me like I haven't slept so anyways it is and they're like side by side the feelings you're like thank god like literally yeah and then also like you actually are my number one enemy right now and public enemy i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna move to europe and raise these children a lot nemesis nemesis and he wasn't even outwardly (laughs) doing anything you guys so i don't i don't want to like do nick dirty oh yeah 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 no it's just it's hormonal and the separation of this has happened to me and it's so private. Like even when someone is walking through it with you, like your partner, 
um, or your mom or like, you know, whoever is, is kind of beside you in that experience, but actually didn't experience it. It feels very isolating of like, I'm the only one who feels this way. And everyone is like continuing on their life as normal. And I can't, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like just a perfect little recipe for resentment to just brew up. I, I, I saw this Instagram post from someone. I can't even remember who it was, but it stuck with me. They had their kids were like teenagers now. And they were talking about how they're like, kids are in high school and some of them are in college and leaving. And they talk, they were talking about like how hard it is to have young kids for a relationship. And she was just saying like, y'all with young kids stick it out because I promise it gets easier and I promise it gets better and they get older and then you get to find each other in this new way again. And I swear that Instagram post like has stuck with me through these early years of young children, like, raising young children with another person because Mm -hmm. I'm just, I, it is so hard. It brings up so much like your values, the things that you believe that you didn't even know that you believed like resentment, like, well, why do you just get to go out on a bike ride? And I like (laughs) just had surgery and I'm like leaking out my boobs and I can't leave the house. And you get to like go the cot in bike shorts, like Mm -hmm. go on a bike ride. I remember Noel did that to me and I like did that to me like it was like a personal offense like yeah yeah cardinal offense number one a bike ride but uh, no just being hot that's the first offense like just existing without having the extra weight on you like is offense number one oh my gosh just walking around like nolan would walk around with his shirt off and i'd be like I hate you. Like why? (laughs) Nothing has happened to your body. You just got Mm -hmm. to have sex and this child came. Like (laughs) what I've gone through for this. It's just, yeah. I'm telling you, I felt, I felt the same. I was now I got to like shout out. Unfortunately, this part was romantic. So I was terrified. (laughs) (laughs) I was terrified, Joanna. The second, so I don't know if you had this, but as if any second C-section girlies are listening, um, pain-wise, I was okay. Like, I mean, it hurts for sure. I'm not skating over that. Um, But I was terrified uh, both times. I was terrified to remove my bandage. Like, I was afraid I was going to, like, fall out. And I know it was mental. But were you afraid to take your bandage off? Because I was terrified. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. That's so funny so, you say that. I've never, yeah. like, heard anyone else say that. I well, did not take my bandage off for so long. No, I exactly. kept it on. Yes. Yeah. Same. I was like, I can't look, number one, because it's going to be gnarly stitches under there. Like, I don't I, – I can't – I can't face the music. And it's also bandaged on you so hard that you're like – it's like taking off a really, really, really sticky bandage. You're like, I'm not – ready for this like mm-hmm. the adhesion uh, the adhesion removal so anyways the unfortunate romantic part is that i was i i would have nick like do the what's it called the c-section binder like and i would have it i liked that thing at first and then it got sweaty and gross and like irritated me so i stopped wearing it but mm-hmm. whole thing to say i remember the shower was like it's time for me to like face the music and like they say it's, fa- it's fine to take it off right so i remember like just I mean, as vulnerable as you can, right? Because I'm just like hobbling into the shower and I couldn't, I I was just facing Nick. He wasn't in the shower with me and I was just hysterical. 
And he was like coaching me through taking the band aid off. And I was like, you're going to have to do it. Like I can't. And he was like, it, it, and he was just being so gentle. And I just stood there for so long and he was so patient. And my mom was holding our newborn like downstairs. And like, I just remember that being such a bonding experience. Cause he was being, he was yeah. such tender sure. care. And so it was very sweet. Like, so I don't want to like dog on Nick. So, but then catch me the next day, like scowling at him for sure. Um, but yeah, so there, That's I mean, really there's beautiful. moments, there's moments of like such deep intimacy that you're just like, wow, I can't, I can't believe like the, I can't believe we're here, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there's also, you know, all the trauma. <laughs> It's just three women who have never experienced more than four years of motherhood. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like five years if we count pregnancy. And so, you know, we, we haven't reached the other side. And so we can only speak to our experience, but I think that there is something really, really sweet about these years of being put under fire that will like grow us where it's like, okay, by the time we have kids that are older, it's like how much stronger of people we will be you know mm -hmm. like I think back to my pre-kid self and this the minor inconveniences that would make me believe that my life was hard is like astounding to me <laughs> and so yeah. I am very thankful that I'm like I'm glad that I've evolved and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with not having kids or that makes you weak or anything I'm just saying from a personal standpoint of the things that I like thought <laughs> were hard and then now getting to where I am, I'm like, I, I actually am very thankful that mm -hmm. I can handle what I can handle now, you know? Absolutely. Um, I, you guys, I used to be the kind that like treated my dogs as my kids. And now I'm like, they are one step away from being like out the front door, like go fend for yourself. Like you guys are on my last nerve. I, oh, actually that's my tip at the end when we round out, like, do you have any just like little tips for people? Um, if you don't have an animal right now, wait. And, and you want to have kids, don't get just, one. Just, just don't. I love my, I love my dogs. They are 10 years old and eight years old. They've been with me. I love them. You guys, blah, blah. Right. However, the amount of like mud on my couches, the extra shedding, the like the one of my dogs is on medicine I'm giving twice a day. I'm just like, I it, it, going out of town as much as your kids beg you, my personal experience, the two dogs are a lot with the kids. So like, well, I think when they're old enough to like take care of the pets, even like versus yeah. like you're literally like taking care of four small children, essentially. Yes. And granted, I think that it's amazing to get kids to like understand and respect animal boundaries. I'm huge about that. Like if one of my kids goes over, well, Shep can't crawl yet. But when Wyatt is like playing too rough with one of the dogs, I'm like, they are showing you signs they don't want to play anymore. Like, I, I think that's important um, to respect animals. And then I do like the responsibility piece. So like now I do like that Wyatt like feeds them or whatnot. But bro, I, all I'm saying is kidless Ange with like Sunny and Claire was just like, I'm so stressed with my dogs. And now I'm like, oh, I mean, I was, you were, you, I was as stressed as I had capacity to understand at that time. So I'm not like knocking young Ange at all. So here's something that I want to like my final thoughts on motherhood. Uh, we had a windy twisty road today. Um, and I'm like so happy that we, we discussed spirituality, especially and just expectation setting and what the real hard truths are. But if there's one thing that I have been using as a mantra, not just in motherhood, but in 
um, in life. And actually, I might have mentioned it on another episode, but it's from a friend's husband. He just said this one day and I never forgot it. He was like, why worry twice? And I was like, excuse me? And he basically said, trust your future self to handle whatever it is that you're like, if there's fears coming up about, am I going to have a third child? How am I going to handle like all three in the car on this, on this trip? Or like, is my marriage, like all these things that we get, we get carried away catastrophizing and what ifing and being like, am I doing things? Okay. Like blah, 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 blah. Like I have started to just lean into the fact that I've handled everything so far that has been handed to me and I'm still standing. And so I will be able to handle like journeys up, up Creek. And so as we discuss like what we want to instill in our children and stuff, in case that's bringing up a lot of overwhelm in a listener and being in fear of like, I don't know, like, I feel like we constantly just evolve as mothers and no one has the answers. And as long as we get stronger at trusting our gut, I think it's all going to like turn out okay. And I'm not trying to say that in a toxic positive way. I just like trust yourself and trust your future self to handle whatever is coming your way. And that has like brought me a lot of solace in early motherhood that I wanted to share. So, Mm, And you will handle it. That's like the beautiful thing. It's been like, it is going to be okay. Yeah. It's amazing how we rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, I did that. I did that, right? Well, you know, my kids have been sick and my daughter was up like every three hours the other night. And I was like, wow, I did this for like months and months like with newborns. And I mean, both of you, your you know, younger ones are younger than mine. And I just feel like when Ember turned two, I came up for air in a new way. And I I feel like every birthday for my kids, it's like coming up for air and like finding a new sense of who I am after going through these few years of motherhood. And then it's like, oh, there I am, but it's new and it's different. And I've gone through all of this, but I really, I really do believe it gets easier and easier. I know there's some parents that are like, well, wait till you have teenagers. And I'm like, but they can dress and feed themselves. Like, Mm -hmm. I do think it's different. I really do. Because in my experience, the older my kids are, the easier it gets. Yeah. I remember I came to you about that when I first had June and it was just big transition. Right when we had June was when we were like, I'm talking like I'm wearing a diaper and we're getting Levi out of diapers. Like we were potty training him with a newborn. And I was just like, I don't think that life could get worse. Um, like someone's peeing on the ground. <laughs> like it's just so bad. And I remember texting you, Joanna, and being like, can you tell me as like with the second, like when when do you feel like you can like catch your breath? And I remember you saying every three months of the first year is gonna unlock a new like ability to breathe. Like three months, you can catch a breath. Six months, it's like a new breath. Nine months, a year. And you were just like, every three months, it's going to be a new, it's not that it, it it gets easy, but just you're going to, the clouds will part a little bit where you're like reunited with yourself on each of these milestones. And I remember thinking that for every milestone and that happens with the first kid too, but you just forget, like even just having like a little bit of a gap, you're like, oh, I, I forgot what it was to have a newborn. Like I literally forget. Okay. So going through it again, I'm like, can someone remind me that I'm not always going to be this tired 
because you, you really are like, this is the rest of my life. Um, and so coming up on June being a year, I'm like, okay. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I do think that it gets better and better. And, you know, with Levi being three, I'm like, oh, this is so great. And not every day is great, but like day to day, I'm just like, oh, this is like so much easier than having a baby under one, you know? Um, so I do think as they get older, it just settles more and you get to know yourself better and you get stronger. And I don't know. I just, I really do personally like love being a mom. Like, I'm so glad that as scared as I was to become a mom, I was very hesitant about that. I mean, I was married for a long time before we had kids and, you know, there was a time where we didn't know if we were going to have kids at all. Um, just because we were like, how do we fit this into our lifestyle of traveling and our careers and whatever. And so when we chose to do that, it was the scariest thing in the entire world for me to step into that role. And I'm so glad I did. Like, it is just the honor of a lifetime. And I love my children so much. And I'm so glad of all the things that we've talked about of it being hard and the uncertainty and, you know, whatever it's like worth every bit for me and my personal journey. And so I just wanted to end with that for my motherhood and parenthood. And to me, it was so worth it. Mm -hmm. Gosh, what a beautiful way to end, Ken. Thanks for taking us home here. And Joanna, thank you for joining us on The Unpolished and kicking back. I know as mothers, like our time off, quote unquote, <laughs> is so treasured. So it's really not lost on us that you took the time to be here and talk with us. And we're we're so happy that you did. So thank you. For I'm also dying just really fast that I'm like, Joanna, anyway, we like fart around on this podcast. Like we're just going to like go off on rabbit trails and whatever. And we're <laughs> it's like Sharing so traumas. serious, <laughs> so serious. Like I anyone mean, who's. Yeah. Yeah. who's been listening to the rebrand is like um <laughs> it's like you know when you leave a movie and you can't speak yet because you're like what did I just experience heavy, heavy blinking into this spot <laughs> I feel like it's gonna be like oh we started with Taylor Swift and here we are okay um I mean what a ride so this was no, not even how serious we expected this to be but I really yeah. think that this is like a really important conversation so no, I absolutely. you enjoyed it <laughs> no it absolutely is and there's so many flavors of motherhood and we were just cracked right open tonight and I think yeah. that's so important my friend Nicole is a fellow mother of too and anytime she's going through it she just sends me a <laughs> video of her just doing like heavy blinking nothing to say the heavy <laughs> blinking really about killed that me. all the time I'm just oh my like, gosh I always imagine myself like in an office documentary, but like a parent documentary and I just look <laughs> off and like the blank wall and I just do that, that like you make blinking. eye contact with the camera. Yeah. Like... I'm like, there's the camera. I'm on a documentary. Like, is anyone seeing what I'm dealing with right now? <laughs> well, that's what anyways, we I love you guys. I, I was like writing in my journal before we got on just to center. I was like, I'm so thankful for these women. Like this is so fun that we get to hop on mic just because we want to for sure. <laughs> and like, so just fun. talk and so thank you Joanna for being here and thanks for um yeah. Angela for just doing this project with me and I just love you guys always love y'all talk guys to you later too. goodbye bye, bye. <laughs> 
that's a wrap from your girls, Kendall and Ange. Thank you for listening. Send this to somebody that you think will like it. XOXO, the unpolished girlies. Bye-bye.